0: Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who had saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave them thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning. Lord, I ask that your spirit would fill this church, fill this property. Lord, we thank you for you being our shepherd and that we have you as a shepherd. Lord, I pray you would speak through Brian this morning and give us anything that we need. Lord, we trust you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen.
1: Krista, do you want this thing? So, your ID card. Charles. Is 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 there one Charles here this morning? There is one. All right all right good morning everyone we are um, we are continuing our study called learn from Jesus and um, this is our third week in that Um, if if you if there are extra chairs still people are in the back standing and you'd like to sit there are chairs back there if you want to stand that's totally fine Um, when I was thinking this morning just about what we've been talking about the last few Sundays, the idea of learn from Jesus. We've talked about pride and we've talked about generosity so far. And those two topics are two things that we can get away with in the church and just cruise along in our life and and play the game of Christianity. Because you you can be prideful and hide it, You can withhold your generosity and hide it and still create a persona that life is great, that you're following Jesus, but inside, in your heart, will be angst, will be restlessness. And this morning, we are looking at the topic of compassion, and compassion is right there too. We can go along in our lives, Sunday after Sunday, coming to church, and never deal honestly with our pride. Never deal honest de- honestly with our lack of generosity. Never deal honestly with our lack of compassion and just continue on in life. In fact, uh, if, if I'm honest this morning, um, this has been the hardest week for me to prepare so far as far as the three things we've covered so far. The idea of compassion because of, because of how it interferes with our lives. Let me give you one definition of compassion. This is from Paul Tripp. He writes, Compassion is a deep awareness of another's suffering that leads to a desire to help. Compassion sees beyond one's own difficulties to care about the difficulties of another. And what happens so often is we're just so self-focused. We're focused on our own problems. And we can use our pride, we can use our lack of compassion to feel like we're honestly working through our problems, but we never get to the point where there is compassion in our life where we are willing to help others. And part of the the challenge this week was the idea of where do you turn to in the Gospels to pick a topic to study on the topic of compassion, because it's who Jesus was. It if you think about it and you're willing to study and read a little bit, it's just an overflowing topic in the life of Christ, of how he treated people, of how he was compassionate to people. And so the idea of, okay, how how can we become more compassionate? How can we get our eyes off ourselves and our own problems and just that natural part of who we are to be self-focused and to be ignorant? And if there is anything that's true, about this topic of compassion and poverty and hurting people and broken people in the world today, it's that ignorance is bliss. The more ignorant we are, the better off we are. The better we can just go on in our lives and having a great life. But once you are made aware, we have a responsibility. And if we are sincere about our desire to follow Christ, compassion has to be a key component of it humility generosity compassion jesus says learn from me and i will give you rest and i'm not talking about rest like physical tired i'm talking about rest that you have a deep internal soul rest because following christ will make you physically tired will make you emotionally tired but you can have peace in your soul, you can have something deep in your life that will give you rest. And so this morning, we'll start out by this, and I apologize, I forgot to have Karen put this part on the, uh, the bulletin, but I wanna to look, to, before we look at the feeding of the 5,000, just briefly, at how, how do we acquire compassion? Okay, so one, o- one option would be for me to give you lots of statistics, about how much money you all make, and then compare that with people in Africa and say, we need to be more compassionate and give more. And we could do that, but there has to be a better way. There has to be a more life-changing way than dealing primarily with your emotions and trying to stir up an emotional response by giving statistics or pictures or telling stories. There is a place for that. But I think what we have to do or what I'd like to do this morning is to look more carefully at the life of Christ and see how he showed compassion to people. And then as we understand that, we will adapt compassion to our lives. So this morning we will look first at, number one, how does Jesus Jesus show compassion to the guilty? And we will look at John chapter 8. Verses 10 and 11. It is the famous story of the woman caught in adultery. And I'm going to take this one small part of the story and help us understand how Jesus shows compassion. The details are this, that the religious leaders, the, we can call them the morality police, seek to entrap Jesus by literally catching a woman and a man in the act of adultery, and they grab her. In fact, in verses 3 and 4, the word that's repeated two times is the word caught, that she was caught. And when you are caught doing something wrong, morality wants to condemn. And that's what happens in this story. The woman is caught in the act of adultery, and she is caught literally grabbed by the religious leaders and say to Jesus that if we look at the law exactly how it says in the Old Testament, she should be stoned. And it is a, it is a beautiful and thought-provoking response that Jesus gives. And here's what he says, and I just want to look at how he treats the woman. All right, so the the overall picture is trying to trap Jesus. But this morning I want to focus on how Jesus responds to the woman. So John chapter 8 verse 10 says this, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? All right, that's the famous saying, let the person... Without any sin, let them throw the first stone. So the religious leaders have left at this time. And Jesus says, she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So here's what we can take away from this as far as how Jesus shows compassion. How this can impact our life to be more compassionate people. Is number one, we see that the woman is guilty. That she is guilty. She is guilty of adultery. But his response to this is, fa- is just fascinating. He doesn't say you're not guilty and go on your way. He demands a lifestyle change without condemnation. He demands a lifestyle change without condemnation. And this is will be the paradox of Christianity and the essence of Christianity. And here's what Jesus says. Let me just give you a few context verses to help us understand this. John 3.17 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. John 12.47, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Last one, Romans 8 chapter 4, excuse me, Romans chapter 4. Because of what Jesus has done, God will take away the condemnation of the ungodly. This means that Jesus took our condemnation. This means that he took our guilt. That means that he took our punishment this means that Jesus can say this, you're guilty, but not condemned. And that's what he says to all of us. We're guilty, but not condemned. When your faith is in Christ, that's what happens to our lives. We are not condemned. If we go back to the final words of the woman, neither do I condemn you. And what we have to think for just a moment, about what's going on in the mind of Christ. Because what are these words going to cost Jesus? Because God is also a God of justice. And so guilty people must be condemned. But Jesus says she's not condemned. And he says we are not condemned. So where does the condemnation fall? Let me quote one Christian author. He says this, yes, stones had to be thrown. He's quoting Jesus in his own paraphrase. Yes, stones ought to be thrown, but let them hit me. Spears ought to be launched, but let them go into my side. Thorns ought to be brought down, but they will go into my skull. You are free. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It is the perfect balance between understanding the nature of God and the nature of sin. Jesus took our condemnation. All of us are guilty before the eyes of God and guilt requires condemnation, but the gospel says the condemnation does not fall on you. It was on Jesus Christ, who bore that on the cross. And so how how do we understand compassion so that our eyes are no longer just focused on ourselves? We have to be willing to understand the depth of our guilt and that the compassionate actions of Christ took our place. That he is the one who received the condemnation, not us. And it's to the degree that you are willing to think about your own life and to the degree you're willing to think about the condemnation that you deserve for the things that you've done and to the degree that you understand that Christ bore that condemnation so you are not condemned, the deeper you are willing to wrestle with that, the deeper you are willing to be honest with yourself about that, the more compassion you will have in your life because you will say to yourself, Woe is me grateful one to receive the grace of Christ. I am condemned no longer. And I promise you that if you have been a Christian for any length of time, we still wrestle with the sense of being condemned, with the sense of having your hand caught in the cookie jar. right? So, for example, if we were to pull up, um, I could freak some of you out and say like something like, I spied on four of you this week, and I've got um, the history of your web browser, and I'm going to pull it up right now, right? You, if there was something there that would be embarrassing to you, you would feel condemnation and shame. That's, That's human nature. The idea of getting your hand caught in the cookie jar, because we naturally want to go to morality. And what I want to say to you is that we have to always be reapplying the gospel. That if your faith is in Christ, the Bible actually says what it means. That there is no condemnation. And it goes back to that thing of pride. Because we, don't, we aren't willing to go to that place to understand that Jesus Christ took the thorns in his head that you know belong in yours because of your guilt. Grace is the only motivation for compassion. It is the only lifestyle approach to compassion to other people. We become compassionate towards other people when we are overwhelmed with the compassion that God has shown you. You will become a compassionate person when there is an overflow of understanding in your heart and your mind of the compassion that Jesus showed you first. And if you aren't willing to think about your own sin and if you aren't willing to think about the cost, it's very difficult to be a, com- a, a compassionate person. You can, listen, you can play nice, you can hide your pride, you can withhold your generosity, And you can show kindness to a certain few people that you like. But when you look at the words of Christ, when we look at what he says, when he says, come to me and I will give you rest, Jesus is saying that he wants all of our lives, not just the parts that are easy for us to give to him. Let's spend our remaining time in Mark chapter 6 and see how this actually works itself out in our lives. There is one There is one miracle that is recorded in all of the Gospels. It is the feeding of the 5,000. And this will change our approach to compassion. It will change the way we think about compassion by showing us this. That a little is a lot in the hands of God. That a little is a lot in the hands of God. And whenever we start thinking about compassion and action and doing things, we become very tempted to turn Exodus chapter 4, verse 13 into our life verse, which says, O oh Lord, please send someone else. Right? That is the story of Moses when God calls him and says, You're the man, you're the person, you are going to be the leader, you are going to be my person, my man to show compassion to the people in slavery. And his response is just like us. Oh, Lord, send somebody else. Do you know how busy I am? Do you know how many responsibilities I have? Do you know that I'm just not very talented? And we can just, whatever, listen, we all have an excuse. We all have an excuse for why we're too busy or or why we are unwilling to show compassion to other people. One of our biggest mistakes is to think that we don't have something to offer, Here is the truth. God has made all of us unique. All of us have a different set of friends. All of us have a different personality. All of us have a different temperament. Different resources. But God is calling all of us to be people of compassion. Not to be people who make excuses. Let's look at just a few ways in that Jesus changes the way we think about compassion. So the story picks up. Mark chapter 6, verse 30 The apostles returned to Jesus and told them all they had done and taught. All right, so here's, here's what's happening. This is, a regular, this is a regular work day for the disciples. So we can almost use, just for uh, our understanding today, this would almost be like a Sunday morning. Okay, because earlier on in chapter 6, Jesus sends out the 12 and they just spent days going out and doing ministry. That was their job. Alright, so after a long work week, putting in your full work week, verse thirty picks up, the apostles returned to Jesus and told them all they had done. They talked about their work week, what they had accomplished. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest awhile, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And when they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So the Bible is very clear. That the idea of a rhythm to your life is right. That there should be a work rhythm to your life. Um, A couple months ago, when we were going through the Ten Commandments, we talked about Sabbath. And just the idea that you were created to rest. How are you doing? Probably not very well, right? It is so deeply ingrained within us just to go, 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 go. And Jesus is saying very clearly here that there is to be a rhythm to your life. That you need to get away. That you need to rest. And often, going back to pride, we don't want to do it. There's too much pride. We're not being productive enough. Jesus says, you need to rest. And that's the context of what's going on. The story continues with this. That Jesus changes what we think about compassion because of the great need. And here's where the story turns. Now many saw them, Jesus and the disciples, going and recognized them. And they ran on foot all the towns and got there ahead of them. And they went ashore and saw the great crowd. And Jesus had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And we see here that compassion... Compassion often calls when we least want to give it. When you're the most physically tired, sometimes God will create opportunities or needs for you to show compassion to people. When you least want to give it, when you're ready to go on to the next thing and someone interrupts your schedule, he showed compassion on them because they were people without a shepherd. That is a very common phrase throughout the Bible. And it carries the idea of this. That people, people left to themselves are lost. And that they are pursuing Christ because they know they're lost. That they have a spiritual hunger. They have something that Christ offers that will satisfy their soul. Without Christ... There is no defense against the dangers of life. Without Christ, life can be a tragic, cruel joke that is full of loneliness and isolation. And Jesus has compassion on people. And he teaches them, and he invests in them, and he gives them something that will satisfy their lives for eternity. Jesus changes the way we think about compassion because our first response is often rational but wrong. Look what the disciples say. And this is where the disciples are just like many of us. Verse 35. And it grew late, and his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away. Go to the surrounding villages that they can buy themselves something to eat. Pure rational. Hey, Jesus, it's getting late. It's getting dark. People are getting hungry. Cut it. You're done. Sermon's long enough, time to go home. The surf is pumping, the sun's out, right? You're done. Wrap it up. Jesus changes the way we think about compassion because the first thought into our minds is often rational but wrong. And they respond with complete sarcasm. Verse 37, but he answered them, you give them something to eat. Right? here's what we have to learn Jesus will often tell us things that we least want to hear the thing that you least want to hear in life possibly this morning is what Jesus is saying to you right now you give them something to eat you take responsibility you show compassion you meet the needs And the sarcasm continues. And they said to Jesus, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them? Six months worth of of labor? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And so they just start this sarcastic response to compassion. And we, we have to understand this about ourselves. And we're learning something about Christ. That he cares deeply for people he cares deeply about their spiritual needs and now we're seeing that he cares about their earthly needs the simple thing of providing a meal and the disciples say this we're exhausted do you know what kind of week I had this week it's getting dark it's time to go and Jesus says this is the exact time when we need to take responsibility Jesus does the miracle. Jesus does that thing that when we feel like we have a little bit in our hands, Jesus can turn it into a lot, and that's exactly what he does. The five and two fish, and he commands the people to sit into groups and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave it to them and to the disciples to set before the people. Jesus changes the way we think about compassion By showing us that a little is a lot in the hands of Jesus. It's not about the amount of money. It's not about your giftedness. It's about your attitude towards people who are broken and hurting. Again, compassion is a deep awareness of another's suffering that leads to a desire to help. Compassion sees beyond one's own difficulties to care for the needs of others. And that is the reminder that we need this morning. While it is true that everyone here has challenges and things going on in our lives, honest, real problems, Jesus does not allow us to focus on those excu- exclusively. There is, a, there is a book I just want to share with you. Maybe you've read it, read it before. Um, called A Hole in the Gospel. Richard Stearns, I just commend it to you to read it, and I just want to summarize just some some practical things that he says about how do we actually live out compassion. Okay, so just here's what he says at the end of the book. Number one, he says this, learn. I'll give you the four words, and I'll explain just for a minute. He says, learn, pray, act, and give. Learn, pray, act, and give. We have to be aware of our narcissistic culture that we live in and how Jesus will say the things we don't want to hear. And if we profess Christ, that means that we must be willing to ask hard questions about ourselves. Are you willing to learn? Here's what he says. It starts as fun and as simple as this. Number one, he says, buy a map. I love this. Buy a world map and put it on your wall, especially if you have kids. And learn about the world and what's going on in the world. There are um, so many interesting stories and so many interesting people and so many ministries going on and and effective things that are going on. Learn by buying a map. Number two, this is stuff we've heard before. This is connected to Mission of Hope. Um, Sponsor a child. One of the things we're thinking about and trying to be strategic about, and feel free to help with this if you'd like, about developing relationships with ministries that can have a long-term relationship. If you are at all, and I sincerely encourage you to think about this, joining us to go to Haiti at some point in the future, you can start sponsoring a child today and go visit that child in the future. You can change somebody's life. You can literally change somebody's life by sponsoring a child. Next, he says, form friendships. Break out and start new friendships with people who do interesting things. Krista Lopata heads up SOS. If you haven't met her, get to know her, ask her about it. Why did she volunteer? One Sunday morning, a year or two ago, I asked for volunteers, and she's the one that stepped up you can ask her, why did you volunteer? Build friendships. Number two, he says, pray. Are you willing to put poor people on your prayer radar? Is it on your mind? Are you willing to think outside of our own needs? And I'm saying yes, we need to continue to pray about people in our church and lives and relationships and lots of really important things but we cannot become a church where our eyes are on ourselves only we cannot become a church where the budget is driven by meeting our own needs next he says act start by volunteering locally it can be as easy as SOS this Thursday you can talk to me about Union Rescue Mission in downtown LA and our relationship we have with them we live on the edge of one of the most influential cities in the world, Los Angeles. And there are parts of this city that are broken and hurting. Take a short-term mission trip. Will you even consider it to open your eyes, to meet people, to see the world, to see what's going on, to see the sacrifices that people are making? Uh, several years ago, a few years ago, when we first went to Haiti, one of the most encouraging things we did was we met a pastor there, and um, Lockwood and um, myself and Jimmy and Blake and my son Chase we, and some other people, we painted the inside, the interior of a house of the pastor there for Mission of Hope. And, it, and the idea of just encouraging somebody else who's living there I'm going home in a week but the idea to be able to encourage somebody who's living there making a contribution day in and day out it is worth it for you to consider a short-term trip to open your eyes last he says to give and I'll just be very brief on this we talked about this last week but you have to again I said this last week you have to have a plan no one by themselves is naturally generous unless you're thinking about it. Have a generosity plan. Have it on your mind to be generous to people. If you look at the Christ, if you look at the life of Christ throughout the Gospels, you will take away humility, you will take away generosity, you will take away compassion it's who he is and these are not things that draw te- these are not things that will draw attention to yourself you will not be the life of the party if you adopt these things if you adopt these attitudes into your life we are called as followers of Christ to emulate the life of Christ it starts with being a community of people who are willing to interrupt our r- routine our schedules to show people compassion to be able to understand where people are, to show them mercy, to show them love, to be active in meeting the needs of other people. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we look at who you are, that we would see that it is a radical message of you first in our lives, of humility, of generosity, of compassion. It shows us that while we keep our eyes on ourselves and we keep pursuing our own happiness, that internally we'll be restless, that we'll be empty. Father, I pray that we would be people here this morning who are willing to be honest with ourselves and see the rest that comes from learning from you. I pray that this morning, Father, that that we would be people who have a deep soul rest because we're willing to learn from you. We're willing to be humble people, to be generous people, to be compassionate people. We thank you most of all for being the most compassionate and giving to us by giving us your son, Jesus. Keep that on the forefront of our minds. In Jesus' name, amen.